Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. I'm Andrea Smith. I'm in the studio today with my co-host Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hello. Hello. Rebecca is off this week, but... Amy and I have been talking Oscars, and I'm sure that you guys have been too, because it was quite an interesting um, Oscar presentation. Uh, So we're going to have a great guest on to talk with us about that and a little bit more, and then we'll have our Bites of the Week. So let's get right into it. Um, I want to bring in Abby West, who's a celebrity editor. Abby, are you there? I'm here. Happy thank, to join you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. So this is interesting. So you all know that I'm not a big TV watcher. <laughs> I get all my, my recommendations from Amy and Rebecca. The Oscars, Grammys, whatever. I record them and watch them the next day just to see the highlights. Amy, however, watched the entire Oscars, I think, more than once. I, I did. I went back back and watched it a second time as I was writing a post about it. And then Amy wrote the most amazing post, which we're going to share with you. I shared it on my Facebook page and uh, kind of explaining everything that happened, but a little more, too, because I think, I mean, there's a lot going on, not just the big snafu at the end, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Abby, you obviously have been uh, covering the the Oscars and celebrity for quite some time. So let's start with you. Let's start with you, what you thought about uh, the whole brouhaha. Well, you know, it was kind of a capper, a cray-cray capper. The crapper works, too. Crapper, yeah, no, you're right. Crapper does work. But it was a capper on an otherwise kind of, you know, eh, kind of night. You know, there were a lot of expected winners, some nice little moments, but it really, that last bit of craziness really made the whole evening and there was really nothing ever like it you know and it's not to say that this has never happened you know there was an incident with um oh wow i I just lost his name there was an incident (laughs) years ago where someone else was given the wrong um the wrong winner was announced but not in the same sort of television age and not with the same delivery and length of time before it was corrected and just um, amazing awkwardness and awfulness for everyone involved. Yeah, and and the funny thing is, there have been rumors for years and years that Marissa Tomei that this happened to her. That I think it was Jack Palance read the wrong name, and that Marissa Tomei really wasn't supposed to win the Oscar for My Cousin Vinny. And right. I think this kind of puts that to rest. Like, if if there's a screw up, they come out on They'll stage out. and they they're going to fix it. There's been a fiction. No one's just walking away. By the way, it was Sammy Javis Jr. who had given the wrong, um, announced the wrong winner in 1964 for the best picture. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Huh. So what do you think? I mean, you know, I I think by now it's, it's a few days since the awards. I think everybody knows how it unfolded, that there were duplicate envelopes on each side of the stage and that one of the partners in PricewaterhouseCoopers, the accounting firm, simply gave Warren Beatty the duplicate envelope from the previous category. Um, because he was so busy tweeting a picture that he took of the star. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> how, I mean, what do you have to say about that? Like, he knew who the winner was. That's the thing. He uh, the, the two partners who were in charge of this, they memorized the winners. So he knew what a historic win this was going to be and was so careless 
in that moment? I mean, how 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 could he let this happen? Uh, that's the that's the question of the moment. Besides letting it happen, not correcting it immediately. That is the almost the bigger sin because that it was two oh, they're saying it's like two and a, two minutes and 25 seconds from when Faye, when Faye Dunaway announced it to when Horowitz announced the real winner that's really an eternity that's it, forever it, well it is when you go back and watch it it's I mean the third producer is giving his speech by the time they really stop him and 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 correct it that's insane it really is and so when when Price Waterhouse Cooper who I will just say is throwing this guy under the bus, over the bus, <laughs> through the river, everything. This poor guy. When they gave their statement, you know, they really emphasized that part of what was so egregious was that he did, it wasn't, they had, they have protocols for this. You know, as they, like you mentioned, with the whole, with all the other rumors, they have been very clear that there are protocols to handle this. And it seems like none of them went into place that night. Well, it, I mean, he literally sent out a tweet of um, Emma Stone backstage while Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway were on stage with the wrong envelope before they had announced it. This guy wasn't mm-hmm. paying attention at all. It really doesn't look like it. <laughs> I think I, as much as I keep joking about them throwing him under the bus, I don't know what his defense can be. I really don't. No. Do you think that, that PricewaterhouseCoopers will still be doing this? I mean, they've been doing it for like 83 years. I, you know, I was asking on some of the movies people I deal with. Um, I'm like, really, who are the alternatives? <laughs> <laughs> well, well I think point, Amy would like to do yeah, it, like, honestly. <laughs> at this point, I think I could pay better attention, you know? Like, I, at but this point, they don't look that great. Part. But you know what? It, it was the end of the night, the last award, you know, maybe. I, I don't know. It feels like he just kind of was like, okay, it's a wrap, you know, yeah, and he was, was finally letting his hair down. He but was checked out. I mean that 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 whole thing was it was well after midnight. It had been hours and hours. Yeah. I think they were all just really looking forward to the end of it. Yeah, but you know what? It was only eight, what nine o'clock for them, so they can't they can't even use the after midnight excuse. It was after midnight for us here on the East Coast. You have a point. You have a point. <laughs> so Abby, let me ask you. I mean, in all the years that you have covered the Oscars and seen the Oscars, I mean, did you you know every year they say oh they're so boring they're so dull nobody wants to watch them and actually I think this year. Um, the stats show that fewer people are actually watching them. Yeah, no, the ratings were definitely down. They dropped like to 32.9 million um, viewers and definitely down in the targeted, you know, 18 to 49 year age range, um, like 14% drop from last year for that age range, which is kind of big. Um, You know, it's, it's telling. It's also, again, the whole cord cutter thing. There's, you know, just less people watching TV, there's, I don't know, we are wrapped up in this bubble, and I find it interesting. I can't imagine not paying attention to it, but as, as you mentioned, a lot of people will just check in for the highlights the next day. Well, the, the really funny thing, and I don't have any stats on this, I don't know if maybe TiVo has some, um, but I know so many people who, as soon as La La Land was announced, they turned off their TV. And they missed the entire thing. I wonder how much of a drop off there was right after that happened. Who missed the whole scandal? That would be some interesting. Right. Yeah. But what's I so interesting it. today is that you know it doesn't matter because in three seconds it's up on the internet. Like you yeah. can go mm-hmm. watch that video. I mean, again, I'm one of those those people. Not even a cord cutter, but I I don't watch every single moment of it. I watch yeah. the highlights and zap through. And I wonder if that's true. Um, you talked about losing that that you know advertiser. 
um, you know, demographic, that, that big age range that the advertisers really want to target. Um, what's happening with kids and millennials? You know, I, I wish I did have stats on that, but there really are seem to be, you know, not as plugged into these movies. Not for nothing, it's been a common complaint that the Oscar-nominated movies don't necessarily line up with blockbuster movies yeah. or the mainstream movies. These are not necessarily um, celebrities or movies that young people are emotionally invested in. I'm just going to put that one out there. Which is interesting because, I mean, it's fantastic that such a tiny movie like Moonlight, which I think was made for one and a half million dollars, could get all this exposure by winning Best Picture, even if it had just straight won. You know, forget about the scandal. The fact that it it could get so much publicity out of this, um, you know, I think that's a great thing that it doesn't line up with what people are watching, but it does make people not really care as much. Like, I think I only saw two of the nominated movies out of all of the categories, which is a lifetime low for me. But, you know, and my kids hadn't really seen any either. I think they had each seen seen a couple. But you said your but, kids watched it, though. But they watched yeah. a lot of it with me, which surprised me, because my kids are 12 and 15. This is the first year that they didn't just flee when I took over the good TV and, um, you know, I think they were both a little disappointed that they had to go to bed long before it was over. Um, but based on what I saw in my Facebook feed, my kids were the exceptions. I really didn't yeah. see a lot of people watching with their kids. Now, my, my 18-year-old and 16-year-old had zero desire to know what was going on. Yeah. They more likely watched, like, the Grammys with me or something that were there were performances there from people they might know than this, for sure. Right. Like, when I watch the Oscars, even if I haven't seen the movies, I know almost all of the people who are presenting. I've heard about the movies. When my old ass watches the Grammys, I don't know anybody. Like, unless they bring out somebody, you know, like they bring out Madonna for, for a geriatric performance. And I'm like, woohoo, I know her. Um, but other than that, I'm, it's just unfamiliar. But I think that's why it's so important that they put on a good show so that people can can be entertained even if they haven't seen the movies. And this one was just kind of boring. <laughs> I, I mean, up until yeah. the big scandal, it was... Although, I it think was, Jimmy yeah. Kimmel did okay. I mean, he was he was funny. He was not... I don't think he fell flat where other hosts have no, definitely no. fallen flat. But, um, Abby, I have to ask you, you know, I did watch the opening, because I do like to see the opening monologue, and I saw the Justin Timberlake, the end of the Justin Timberlake performance, and I... It was so weird. Like, the director was really um, zooming in on his face when Jimmy Kimmel started talking, and I couldn't tell if that was like an act where he was pretending to be really pissed off at Jimmy Kimmel and threw the mic on yeah. stage, or if that was what was I going on tell there. Either. I had no idea. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a bit that just kind of fell awkwardly. <laughs> you know, was he angry? To, no, it was it was definitely part of the bit, and uh, it just I don't know coming off of the sh- off of his performance, it didn't really think properly. It was so <laughs> it, weird. It falls in line with Jimmy's whole, like, you know, fake feuds of people thing. Right. And, yeah, so there were a lot of bits. And you know, I, he did a great job, honestly. He was very quick on his feet. I don't, I don't know of a recent um, host who could have handled that snafu at the end with such ease and, you know, just kind of graced it over, you know, doing taking the mea culpa himself, making, you know, it made it funny. But they're... Tweeting the president. Yeah, <laughs> his whole his whole thing is are, is 
having all these bits in there, and I think that also elongated the show. Yes. It made it a little patchy at times. You know, it was very fast-paced, but... It could have been shorter. But it's also, like, I, I found the celebrities reading mean tweets about themselves funny, but you can see that on his show. and Exactly. You know, and, like, the thing with Matt Damon, I thought it was funny in the beginning, but then it went on yeah. all night. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just thought it was it and, was too much. And, yeah, and some of the bits were, like, just set up to further that whole bit. Like, you know, it just was a lot. Yeah. Very long. But, okay, so we've been complaining a lot. Um, <laughs> let's talk about some highlights of the show, because there there were some, some great things. There were some historic things that happened. There were some historic things that didn't happen. Um, I, I was really hoping that Lin-Manuel Miranda would McPeagot. He would be the first person to win um, a MacArthur, a Pulitzer, uh, and, and the yeah. other four. Um, if he had gotten an Oscar, he would have been the first McPeagot, and he didn't. But he still, you know, he can do it later. Um, so, <laughs> what were he, he's only thirty seven. Um, <laughs> what were uh, what were some of your highlights and favorite moments? Well, you know, starting off with Mahershala Ali winning was everything for me yeah. <laughs> because Moonlight is amazing and he was amazing in it, and he's having this grand, amazing year. And to start off, you know, coming off of last year's with, with Oscar So White and having the first Muslim actor win an Oscar just at the top of the awards was pretty fantastic. So, you know, to me, having him win and then Moonlight bookending the show was kind of everything. Yeah, and and also Viola Davis, who not only did she win and become the first African-American actor to get um, an Emmy, an Oscar, and a Tony, um, but her speech was incredible. I think I watched it five times. Oh, that's her. That is her stock and trade now. <laughs> good good <laughs> like award speeches. Amazing, right. Yeah, her amazing award speeches. But, She'll I mean, be a she paid just... speaker after this. But what exactly. do you think? I mean, you know, going back to last year, you know, where it was that the Oscars were so white and, you know, people were boycotting and that the Oscars were racist. You know, do you feel do you feel in any way like this, like Moonlight had to win this year? I mean, it, it's kind of like, you know, when it was La La Land, it was, yep, that's the Oscars. That's the way it is. Yeah, and when turn it's, it off. Right. And then when it's Moonlight, it's, oh, well, did they do this to make up for something? Or, you know, is it really that this was an incredible movie and more people just need to see it and be aware of it? Yeah. You know, I like to believe that, you know, the work that, um, I forgot her name, but the head of the Academy has been doing with um, diversifying the Academy members and the, the voters has paid, this is one of the ways it's paid off because I've seen most of those movies and while they are all deserving of nominations I think Moonlight was clearly the best you know it's just one of those things where it's like it it feels like it was actually the way it was supposed to turn out and whereas like you said if Lala won you know I saw Lala win I was like yeah okay yeah that's what that's what that was what happens you know Casey yeah. Affleck was gonna win because they've been talking about that and Lala's gonna win like got it yeah and and, go. and also uh, Hollywood loves to vote for itself Hollywood loves to vote for movies that are about Hollywood so exactly. The, so the fact that La La Land only won six Oscars is kind of amazing. I have to be honest. Now, I have La La Land, so I'm part of the Writers Guild of America, and I get to vote on Best Screenplay and Best Adapted I Screenplay every year. I didn't realize that. Yep. Look at that. One of, my, okay, one, of my, one of my life perks, right? So, like, <laughs> everybody wants to be my best friend starting in October <laughs> because I start getting DVD deliveries you uh. know, of screeners. And uh, which I'm not allowed to lend out or share, and they're not allowed to go out of my house, you hmm. know, due to privacy. It's amazing now that you actually get a DVD. 
Um, even the FedEx guy's like, what'd you get today? What'd you get? Because <laughs> you have to sign for it. So um, Oscar time is really the only time I do watch movies because I, I do need to see them in order to do my job properly. And I have to say... La La Land was one of the first movies we saw back in November when everyone was talking about it. And I didn't like it. I just didn't understand the hype. I only know two people who admitted to liking it when I started a thread on Facebook. And everybody else was like, yeah, it was okay. Yeah. 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 It definitely had that um, overhyped feeling. It's a perfectly lovely movie. I, I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest. It's not a musical. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was particularly annoyed throughout the whole Oscar campaign where they were just constantly going on about how brave it was to bring it to Hollywood. How brave everyone uh, was. Like, it's not bravery. Stop. Um, it was so, yeah, just it was silly. Awesome in that way, but... You know, like as you said, uh, Hollywood likes to praise itself, and you know, get pretty people doing pretty things. They're gonna love it. Yeah. So one of my favorite movies, um, I shouldn't say one of my favorite, one of the only movies I saw in a theater this year um, didn't win any Oscars, which was um, Hidden Figures. But I I actually. I saw, I, I didn't see this till yesterday. I didn't see it till after I had written my article. But I'm going to post a link to an article that explains a couple of huge plot points that were changed from the book. And I know that things get uh-huh. changed from books. I mean, that's that's just the way it is. You have to condense things and condense characters. But these were a couple of really egregious changes that were basically done to make Kevin Costner's character look good uh-huh. in, in ways yeah. that didn't actually happen, which really bothered me. And after I've heaped so much praise on this movie, I just wanted to mention that and make sure that we linked to that article because it was really eye-opening. You should. I want to read it because I did love that movie. I did. And I know it wasn't an accurate, you know, a historically accurate representation. But I think as a way of engaging people and bringing them in to tell them the story of these three women, I thought it was really well done. But when changes are made, you kind of look at them and say, why did they make this change? And sometimes it's like, oh, they had to condense for time. Or, oh, you know, we can't have 20 different characters when we can put it into two characters. But these changes were just just totally gratuitous. These changes were, again, like as you said, to make his character uh, stand out a little more. But also there were changes because they needed to add some, you know, tension to the movie. You know, the the story itself is just perfectly lovely and it needed to be told, but it wasn't in terms of traumatic tension. They had to amp that up. Yeah. They really had yeah. to amp it up. So And, and they did it in they did it in they did it badly, I think. There's a lot of discussion about that. Yeah. No, yeah. you're not the only one who thinks that. Well, yeah. we will link to that article. Yeah. All right. Well, we want to know what you guys think if you watch the Oscars, if your kids watched the Oscars with you, if they're even watching any of these movies anymore. Um, tell us what you think. Write to us on Facebook or on Twitter at Parenting Bites and uh, and let us know. And also, tell us if you're like me, where you see most of the movies after the Oscars. Like, it's the the awards season where there a lot of these movies are in theaters. That's like my busiest time. That's my busiest time with work. You're getting ready for the holidays. Yeah, I the watch, holi- yeah, yeah, I watch them in winter when there's nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's bad timing. <laughs> All right. And now, before we wrap up, Abby, I want you to tell us about um, Be the Match. Be the Match. Yeah. 
happy to tell you about Be The Match. Um, I am on the board of directors for Be The Match, which is the world's leading nonprofit organization that's focused on saving lives through bone marrow and cord blood transplantation. You know, I joined this registry about 20 years ago as a young reporter. Oh. I was c- covering a story about a um, bone marrow donor drive for specifically geared towards African Americans, and I found out about the need. So while I was covering it, you know, I got my cheek swabbed, got on the registry, went about my life. 17 years later, I got a call that, um, an email actually, (laughs) that I was potentially a match for someone and um, embarked on the path of becoming a donor. So in 2014, I became a stem cell um, donor and, you know, was just moved by the whole process and the potential at, you know, saving someone's life, potentially saving someone's life, and have found out so much more and then joined the board and um, am just really committed to making sure that people understand what the registry is, how they can join it, and how their commitment can help um, really save someone else's life, and you could be that hero for someone else. And when you get your cheek swabbed to get on the registry, is that like a mail-in kit? Do you have to go into an office? You can do either. If you go to um, bethematch.org, you can find out more information of exactly where you, if there's an um, on-site place for you to go to in your area, or if you can do it uh, via a mail-in with the swab kit. And um, a, there's a health form that you fill out. So basically, that's the start of it doing the swab and getting uh, the health form and just getting on the registry that way. And But as you do that, we want people to be committed to going through with it should you get that call. Should you get that call next month, 10 years from now, someone is in dire need of a of, of bone marrow or stem cell transplant, and you can step up for that. Yeah, don't make them think that they found their winner and then, and then not go through with it. That's an excellent point. Hmm. That's amazing, 17 years later, for them to, to contact you. You know, it's, it's, a, it's such a unique um, thing. It's really about individual matches. So, you know, it, it's the way it's going to happen. It's, it, you're potentially going to get called or not. Right now, the potential for getting a match, available match, uh, um, for African Americans is 66 to 76%. So, um because of the diversity in our tissue type, we really need African Americans to be overrepresented on the registry. This is part of our Black History Month push. We need every race and ethnicity because of the individual tissue types, but right now we're making this push at, you know, this is the tail end of Black History Month. So we're definitely making a push for African Americans. All right. Well, we will link to, um, to information for people and how they can get on the registry. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Abby. Thank you so much for joining us, Abby West. And um, Amy and I will be right back with our Bites of the Week. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Okay, and we are back with our Bites of the Week, and Amy always goes first, So, and there's only two of us, so <laughs> you may as well go first. Yeah, so this is a fun one. Um, there's a, a game that my kids and I play in the car um, that's now an app, which is which makes it even a little easier. It's basically, it's a game to guess what Google is going to autocomplete. <laughs> and so be careful, because... 
you know, you're, you, my kids are older. My kids are 12 and 15. Not everything that auto-completes on Google is appropriate for everyone, so just be aware of that. Um, but then again, if you're the one holding the phone or the tablet, you can uh, you can screen it for your kids and you can filter out things that aren't appropriate. Um, but so the, the Google Auto-Complete game now is uh, an app called Auto-Compete, and I've been playing it so much. It's just, it's, <laughs> you can play with other people online through the app, or you can just play yourself on your phone. And, and I play with my kids where we all just like take turns shouting out the answers and typing them in. And you have to, you know, it'll give you a phrase like um, the biggest, and then you have to guess what Google autocomplete would be, uh. you know, <laughs> the biggest um, city in the world is or something like that. So it's it's a lot of fun. And I'm I, I just wanted to mention it because it's been sucking up a lot of my time. So, so that so you can I mean, that sounds to me like a really fun car game. Yeah, that's that's exactly how we discovered it when I was looking for things for all of us to do in the car that didn't involve equipment other than my phone. So now you do it and but one person types in the answer. Yeah. Yeah, and and the thing is, the we- I'll link to both the website and the app. The website makes it a little easier because the website is not timed. Mm-hmm. Um, when I play by myself, I usually use the app, which I think gives you 15 seconds for each answer, which is kind of fast if you're playing with other people. Um, so you've got a couple of choices there. That sounds fun. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think on the website you get three wrong answers or four wrong answers. On the app you get four wrong answers till it, it knocks you out. You're trying to fill all top ten spots. Got it. I don't think I've ever filled more than four or five. Wow. It's a hard game. That's hard yeah that's really hard yep i'm because whenever i do you know a google search i always look to see what other people like what's the top search term for that if you do pay attention to that a lot you'll be better at the game (laughs) yeah that's fun okay mine is actually a sad tale um Uh yeah i'm really you know so i'm a big fan of amazon as you are as, as we all are um and i basically use amazon for almost everything from cat food to gifts to everything and um, this holiday season was really kind of crazy, and I always send gift cards to um, my husband's, you know, family, grandchildren. And so on December 25th, I realized, oh, my God, I forgot to send the kids gift cards mm-hmm. and was going, woohoo, yay, Amazon, because I could just do it right then and there. And they would get their email electronically saying, here's your gift card. Right, it's supposed to be so easy. So easy, so easy. And I've been doing this for years. Well, this year, as I was packing to leave for CES, I got an email from my stepdaughter saying, hey, I don't know uh, what to do about this, but the gift card you sent to her son, um, it's already been redeemed. Oh, no. Hacked. It must have been hacked. And I said, oh, my God, that's crazy. Did you call Amazon? And she sent me um, an email from Amazon basically saying, we're so sorry this happened to you. There are a number of reasons it could happen. The person who sent you the gift card decided to renege it. Uh, Which, obviously, you did not do. And the person who sent you the gift card might have taken it back and given it to somebody else. Um, The person might have used the gift card themselves. (laughs) Or they could have canceled it. But we're not responsible and so sad too bad. Now, here's my question. And I was horrified. Here's my question. Amazon knows who used it. Like, they can see who paid for something with it. I took the time and I called Amazon and I said, first of all, I could not have used it myself or sent it to someone else because it's a code. Right. You sent an email to the recipient. Right. The buyer doesn't get the code. There's not a code. I said, so please tell me who used it. We can't. Due to privacy restrictions, we can't tell you who used the card. 
So I did what any normal sane person would do, and I called Capital One, my credit card company, and said I'm not paying it. Yeah. They didn't deliver it properly. And I have to tell you, the reason I'm bringing it up today, I want everyone to be aware when you think that happens, not so much. This morning I got my call back from Capital One saying basically if your recipient got an email with a link, then Amazon properly delivered Oh, my God. So they won't take the charge off. And so I said, well, they had taken it off temporarily and said, send us proof and send us everything. And so I sent them. Here's the email saying, here's your, you know, here's your gift card. Um, Here's an email saying all the reasons why it could have gone wrong with, with them taking no blame. And they said to me, we can't ask Amazon to show us who used the gift card. We can't be your intermediary. You know, I always thought that they could mediate. Right. Yes, that was my understanding. Or that Amazon could go after it on your behalf without sharing any information. Amazon has Correct. the information. So basically, my final call from Capital One today, and this has been a number of calls I'm, I'm condensing. Well, yeah, I mean, it's February. just, you know... The only thing we can do is say you didn't receive what you paid for. Your email that you sent us shows us that the person received it, even though they received only the link. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we can't help you. And so I think it's really important for everybody. First of all, Amazon takes no liability for this and says they're not responsible. So if it's hacked, it's not their problem. One thing to be aware of. And the second thing to be aware of is when you dispute something on your credit card, again, I was always under the impression that they help you resolve the dispute. Capital One says, absolutely not. We'll take it off your credit card if you can prove that you didn't get what you purchased or that it was, you know, damaged or defective. And uh, what you what steps you have taken to make good with the store. But you're on your own. Yeah. And I mean, to give... Amazon, the benefit of the doubt, the hack could have been in the email, like on the recipient mm-hmm. side. But still, Amazon knows who redeemed it. They that know code. who redeemed it. And they know the person who it went to is yeah. not the person who redeemed it. And they won't tell me who redeemed it. That's Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And I would have assumed that my credit card would have covered it. Well, yeah. I'm really upset. So that's why I wanted to let other people know that it's important to look into this and make sure you're covered. And we're still fans of Amazon. You know, I mean, it doesn't mean I'm going to cancel my Prime membership, although, you know, it was the first thing I said I was going to (laughs) do. But but it just, you know, when you buy an electronic gift card through a company like Amazon, you would think that the person would would get it. Definitely. And and I mean, I do that all the time. It's the easiest gift in the world. Sometimes I print them out myself. Sometimes I have the email sent. But either way, I always figure that I have some kind of protection. Yeah. Well, all right. We I don't know what to do about that, but I've got... <laughs> but I would love to hear people's stories. I, I would love to hear if other people have had this solved. And I also have some good links from um, from different websites about how to protect yourself when you're buying physical gift cards. That's a good it's, one. It's a problem with that, too. Okay, that's a good one. All right, thank you. Um, and that's it. That's our Parenting Bites for this week. Rebecca will be back next week. Um, check us out on Facebook at Parenting Bites and Twitter, hashtag Parenting Bites. And on iTunes, please uh, give us a rating or a review and definitely let us know what you're thinking and what you'd like us to talk about. And until then, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Thank you.